2: Clueless, said Wazzy Makram. Embarrassing, according to Rami's Raja, day two of the 2019 World Cup was a day to forget for Pakistan, but very much a day to remember for the West Indies, who romped to a seven-wicket victory at Trent Bridge thanks to a barrage of short pitch bowling and a brutal half-century from Chris Gale, who has now hit more sixes than anyone in World Cup history. Welcome to the Wisden Cricket Daily Podcast, in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. I'm your host, Joe Harmon, and sitting alongside me is Phil Walker, Editor-in-Chief of Wisden Cricket Monthly. Yeah, afternoon, Joe. Thanks for having me. And on the phone from Nottingham, we're joined by Saj Deek, Editor of the website Pack Passion. Hello. Uh, Saj, uh, for a passionate Pakistan fan, that must have been fairly grim viewing. Let, let's start the show with your moment of the day.
0: I think the moment of the day would have to be fuckers the man's dismissal. Now, Fucker is somebody who provides Pakistan with the impetus at the start of the innings. He's the stroke maker, the batsman that a lot of the other Pakistani batting line-up bat around. He's the guy who gives them the, the quick starts. He's the one who actually attacks the opposition bowling lineups. And for his dismissal to get out that early and in that manner must have been like a stake through the heart for some of the, the Pakistani batsmen because although it was a, an unlucky dismissal, it wasn't the greatest of shots and you could see literally the energy sapping from the Pakistani batsmen when they came out after seeing that
2: dismissal. My impression was actually West Indies didn't start particularly well. There was quite a lot of wayward uh, bowling in there. Jason Holder wasn't really at the races. It was only really when Andrew Russell came on that the whole game changed. Uh, seemed to change there.
0: Absolutely. I mean, both teams looked, <clears throat> excuse me, quite nervous. Really, Imam Al-Hak looked fidgety at the crease. He was, <clears throat> excuse me, he was, um, you know, looking for some um, singles that weren't there. He, he he didn't look very composed. Even for the man himself didn't really look. That great right at the start of the innings. And as you say, West Indies were, were spraying the ball around. They weren't, you know, the radars weren't set. So it looked good for Pakistan. But as you say, when Andre Russell came on, the, the game just changed because he started banging that ball in. He charged in. And, um, you know, it was it was all downhill after that for Pakistan.
2: That actually, that leads, sorry if I was going to ask you, but that leads into my moment of the day, actually, which was uh, Jason Holder taking Andre Russell off after three overs, had figures of two for four. Um it was a, seemed like a bizarre move at the time. But as ever, Jason Holder seems to know what he's doing. Uh, and it all worked out rather well from there.
1: Yeah, well, he's got a serious pace battery there, isn't he? You know, when you can bring, in, bring on O'Shane Thomas as your fourth seamer, then that's quite a statement. And, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling in the spin department, as we know, West Indies. So they're just going to go all out for you. And I thought their approach um, was not especially subtle. But it was brutally effective. You know, they just they just hit the middle of the pitch time after time. Um and it caught Pakistan's batsmen on the hop a little bit. And they looked they looked a little bit a little bit timid, a little bit a little bit unsure of themselves, a little bit intimidated almost by by what was put in front of them. And and it was reflected in some of the shots that were played. You know, I thought I thought Baba Razam, who you know, I, I adore as a batsman, you know, it, it was a, a leaden-footed waft outside of was off shot, wasn't it? it an was, awful it, shot. It was a terrible shot and, and an unbecoming of a player of that kind of class. But it was almost as if there was a collective um, collapse, really, you know, mentally as much as anything else throughout that batting lineup, And it reflects in 105 all-out. Uh, Saj, what, what were your pre-tournament expectations for Pakistan? And has what you've seen
2: today altered those at all?
0: They certainly weren't to be bowled out for 105 against West Indies (laughs) in the first game. (laughs) Uh, I mean, the expectations, you have to be realistic. They've lost their last 10 ODIs coming into the tournament, obviously 11 in a row now. They're a team that are struggling. They're a team who haven't got many world-class players, and I think that's relevant. And a team with not many players in form. Also, the team selection, the squad selections have been a little bit haphazard. Just a few weeks ago, really, they played against Australia, five match ODI series, where most countries are trying to play their best teams and get that formula right for the starting 11. Pakistan actually rested most of their first. 11 players, their front-line players, which I thought was a bit of a surprising move. Yes, they needed to rest some of their players, but those players could have been rested against the likes of Sri Lanka, Zimbabwe, etc. So, I think all-round the 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 thinking the planning hasn't been great so expectations have got to be realistic and fairly low for this
1: world cup it's just that 2 years ago sage there's not an enormous difference in personnel really between this side and and that which won the champions trophy 2 years ago so is there something else at work here
0: yeah i mean it's a fair point that you make yeah predominantly the starting 11 or most of the squad is from the champions trophy 2 years ago but at that moment in time you had Junaid Khan was a key member of that bowling lineup. You had Hassan Ali, who was on top of his game, player of the tournament in the Champions Trophy. He was coming in, he was charging in, he was moving the ball around. He looks the shadow of that bowler now. I don't know whether his confidence has been drained or there's some technical issues, but he, he I mean, even today he was spraying the ball around and he's been targeted by the opposition. Mohammad Amri is coming back from. Illness. You've got Shadab Khan, who was a revelation as well in the Champions Trophy. He's just come back from a bout of illness. He's not played as much cricket as well. So the whole front line bowling attack is, you could say, hovering on uncertainty.
2: And um, you know, it's not got that stability there. One of the things I found baffling is that they had a kind of almost unique opportunity to play as much cricket. In the host nation before a World Cup, as anyone's ever had, they learnt a few things from that. Namely, Asif Ali is an invaluable player to that that middle order who can hit out of the death. Uh, Shane Sharafridi went for a few in that series, but seemed to be learning as he went. Then you come to the first game of the World Cup, and and neither of those players are there. Wahab Riaz, who hasn't played a game for two years, is back in the side. Amir didn't get much of a run out in that ODI series, partly because of injury, but it seems like they haven't learnt very much. And what they have learnt, they've forgotten.
0: I'm the, the muddled selection that I was alluding to because as you say you've got Shane Shah Freedy there who's been playing regularly who's been improving and he was expected to open the uh, bowling with, with uh, Mohamed Amir today and then suddenly you turn up, and there's no Asif Ali and no Shaheen Shahidi. Asif Ali batted beautifully against uh, England. He gives Pakistan the X-factor. He gives them something different as well. And um, he, he was he was dropped um, today, which which is a huge surprise. And I think what's happening here is that the the game plan, the tactics, they're all very confused. I think even the team management, even the coaching staff, are lacking confidence, which is probably a strange thing to say when given that Mickey Mickey Arthur with the the head coach, but I think uh, even they don't really
1: know who uh, who their best eleven is. It, it's all it's all terribly redolent, though, of twenty seventeen, right? You know, I remember that first game at Edgbaston, India Pakistan, and uh, you know Pakistan were absolutely blown away, hundred and fifty runs. So, and, and also echoes of ninety two as well, starting poorly in that tournament. So it's not it's not over by any stretch, right? With Pakistan, you know, it, you couldn't... You can see a different version of them on Monday when they go and face England. They'll have to play desperate cricket. They'll probably make a, one or two changes, and, and you never know. I'm, I'm certainly expecting a far stronger performance. I'm not necessarily saying they're going to beat the English on Monday, but I'm expecting a, a different kind of Pakistan then. Well, I've actually forgotten that match against India uh,
0: at Edgbaston, the opening Champions Trophy match, but uh, thanks for reminding <laughs> me no about that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah I mean now it's, it's almost like a do or die situation which seems a strange thing to say given that there's eight matches left but Pakistan have got some pretty tough games coming up you know you've got England and um, India not uh, not far away as well. Uh, I think um, sometimes Pakistani cricketers are at their best when they've had a kick up the backside, to coin the phrase, and they've got nothing to lose, so they they probably came into this game slight favourites, thinking, yeah, we're playing against a West Indies team that really, you know, we've been here since the 23rd of April in England, really we we should beat. But now they're in that situation where, I mean, that performance there will not have gone down very well at all in Pakistan. You know, the fans are uh, cursing them. They're, they're a laughing stock at the moment, given, given the, uh, the fact that they've lost these 11 ODIs in a row. And, um, you know, they've got nothing to lose now. They, they need to change gear. They need to sort out the starting 11. They need to improve in all facets of
2: their game. Uh, yeah, obviously, we had one side who played very poorly today, but we also had a side who, who played very well uh, in the West Indies. Um, so we shouldn't just focus on Pakistan's shortcomings. Uh, Oshane Thomas, um, I picked him out as one of the rising stars to give myself a little pat on the back there before the start of the tournament. Um, I wasn't sure he'd actually necessarily play because Kemal Roach wasn't wasn't picked today. Shannon Gabriel, I think, is injured, but it, they're not going to drop him now after that performance. Uh, after he broke through in the T20 side, I think uh, Carlos Brathwaite said we could be looking at the next uh, Michael Holding or Joel Garner which is which is high praise indeed. Uh, Phil, could he possibly be that good?
1: I think that's a big call at this stage um, O'Shane is obviously uh, un- an unbridled quick He's, his, his run up is still, let's say, a work in progress you know, it's interesting to make that kind of comparison with Holding who was obviously you know, lissom and smooth and all of that um, you can't really say that with regards to to O'Shane just yet, but what he does bowl is a viciously heavy ball, and he was consistent alongside Andre Russell in particular. Uh, Holder, Holder himself is more of a of a kind of a, you know, he he holds the whole show together. He's more medium fast, hitting hitting that kind of splice. But Andre Russell set the tone with with a devastating spell up up front, and O'Shane Thomas is in a similar ilk. He is. Um, He's raw, he's unbridled, um, but he's the kind of bowler that, that wins games of cricket, especially at this kind of level. And you saw it in St Lucia in the last game against England in, in the warm-up stuff back in March and April time. He blew them away, blew them away in an afternoon. England were all out for 100. Uh, and this is what this tournament will come down to. I think the West Indies have already put themselves in an interesting position to potentially qualify for the semi finals. They've been there or thereabouts anyway, and a lot, a lot of good punk. Good uh, pundits and observers have recognised that with West Indies. They've got this win under the belt already. And also, net run rate as well will play its part. This is an absolute thrashing as well. Th- these kinds of details in a tournament like this will play their, will play a role. And then when you get to a semi-final, if they were to get there, with that kind of attack, and with those kinds of batsmen as well, uh, they can blow any, t- any side away on their day. Do they have the adaptability,
2: though? Because looking at that, the pan worked perfectly today with... Pakistan falling hook, line and sinker for that short ball. Um, when you see Hafiz doing it right at the end, you're like, you must know this is coming. Why are you, why are you playing that shot? Other sides perhaps won't be quite as, as fallible. Uh, have
1: they got the versatility to mix up on different pitches against different opposition? Yeah, I I picked my semi-finalists last week and I didn't have the Windies in there because I didn't really feel that they were going to be consistent enough across the whole of the tournament. Um They lack in the spin department and I think you're seeing increasingly teams are playing one if not two spinners. England want to play two spinners. Australia play two spinners. India play two, maybe three spinners. Uh, Teams are moving that way and the West Indies are going to be struggling um, on pitches that aren't conducive to bowling as they did today. Uh, but But it's interesting... Uh, Mark Nicholas made a quote, uh, re- relayed a quote from Mark War, who used to say there is no such thing as a flat pitch. It all depends on how much you're prepared to put into it. Now, that is a batsman talking on the one hand, but there is, there is an element of truth there. Uh, an English pitch, is you see it time after time. If, if, you, if you really bend your back and you have proper pace through, through the air, then, then you've got a chance. Um, I'm not predicting the West Indies are going to go and win this thing, but they are dangerous without a doubt. Saj, how far do you reckon the Windies can go in this tournament?
0: Well, I mean, they've, they've shown today that they are a team that are capable of beating anybody. And if they're in the mood, they can do that. I mean, with Andre Russell, you've got somebody who can win you a game with ball or bat. Now, Chris Gale and him, a lot depends on their fitness as well. Both of them were, were limping around and Chris Gale was off the field for a bit, so was Andre Russell. In fact, uh, Andre Russell's just uh, been chatting with him at the, uh, the, uh, the press conference afterwards and uh, he was saying that, yeah, he's okay, he's got a bit of a knee problem that he's been carrying for a while. So I think a lot will depend on the, the fitness of, of those two players because I think uh, they are the, the linchpins for that Western
1: DC team. Is that what sent uh, Andre Russell off today? Was it a recurrence of that knee yeah, problem?
0: he was hinting that it's a long-standing knee problem, but he said he feels OK. It was precautionary and that, um, you know, given the state of the game, he felt that he didn't really need to be on the field and he went off the field just for as a precaution. So, as I say, I think a lot depends on how many games they can squeeze out of those two players, wrap them up in cotton wool and... Uh, yeah. Well, let, let's see uh, how how they
1: progress um, in terms of fitness. We, we, we've got done twenty minutes of this show, Joe, and we haven't mentioned Christopher Gale. Um, yeah, it's a stirring sight to see the bloke back uh, in the maroon kit. He's I don't know sixty four years old, whatever he is. Um, broke the World Cup sixes hitting record yeah, this afternoon. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
2: I mean, what. What, there can't be any more demoralising sight when you know you haven't got enough runs on the board and then you have to open up against Chris Gale who who will just come. Out. I think he got his 50 off 33 balls possibly um, yeah he, he looks like he's really really enjoying himself in this kind of twilight of his career the pressure's off to a certain extent he, he's probably never bet, batted better than he did in that um, ODI home series against, against England and they've also got players around him now that that's a really exciting batting unit. I mean Well, yeah, very
1: watchable as well. Yeah,
2: I mean we all know about Shimmer and Hetmeyer, who's gonna be one of the best players in the world for the next decade or more. But today as well, Nicholas Poran as well. What a cameo that was. I think thirty four off nineteen balls. Graham Swan picked him out as as one to watch in this in this tournament in our last podcast. Um, done well in the IPL. He looks like a special, special talent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What do you what did you think, Saj, of the way that they knocked that down? And and again, this West Indies top five uh, you know, maybe alongside England, is there a more watchable top five in the in in the tournament itself? Well, I was um,
0: around by the pavilion when the West Indies team were uh, were practicing before the game and watching Chris Gill and he wasn't doing a lot of practice. Um, yeah. he, he was taking it quite easy, and uh, he was all smiles, which I think is great for some of the younger players to have somebody around them like him because he was very relaxed so any nerves I mean they'll just see Chris Gale there look he's been there done it and you know they just look at him and they will feel relaxed themselves and he was a calming influence there as I say he was all smiles ahead of the game he was chatting with some of the Pakistan players he was chatting with um, some of his colleagues chatting with coaching staff of Pakistan so as I say he's, he's fantastic for the West Indies team to have around it's a dangerous top five it, it's one of those top fives that you look at and think hmm, yeah it could be 30 for four yeah. or could be uh, 200 for two off uh, 20 overs yeah, you just really. don't know which way it's going
1: to go yeah just one other thing on gail holder deals with him brilliantly i think and and he's he was interviewed by by wisdom cricket monthly a couple of months ago and he said with chris i don't get him to do what other people do he's earned the right to do his own thing to have a presence in this team I don't get him doing shuttle runs. I don't get him bowling in the nets or anything like that. He's just a presence to have around the team. And that's a, that's a mature and characteristically mature way of of, of, of approaching leadership that, that Holder more and more is impressive in, in that regard, don't you think?
0: I mean, he was stood at slip for large parts of the, uh, the innings, just chatting with the wicketkeeper, just chatting with players around him. You know, just um, cracking a few jokes. So it's all very relaxed out there. He went off the field a couple of times, reminded me a little bit of Inza Mammal hacking his <laughs> head there, you know, just to rest his uh, his aching limbs a little bit. But uh, one of my favourite moments was when Chris Gale took the, the catch at uh, yeah. slip. And he, he had to move about, um, I think, 12 inches to his right. And even for that, he struggled. It was almost like in, in slow motion that he took the catch. But, I mean, he, he got it, And but it was it was... Quite, uh, quite funny watching him take that catch. His, his limited mobility, but mm-hmm. he's, he's such a uh, such an important player
2: for them. Um, so that's that's two two days done. Two two big wins for England and Western. He's still waiting for our first kind of nail biting clash. That could come tomorrow when we've got Australia against Afghanistan.
1: And b- and before that, New Zealand Sri Lanka. And we've got Liverpool spurs tomorrow night mm-hmm. as that's well. The of one, yeah. That's the big one, isn't it? Yeah, the big one. I'm playing tomorrow, Joe. I'm playing tomorrow my first game of the of the season tomorrow. So I've got a day off and I'm. I'm turning out for the, for the twos, for the Moody Blues tomorrow back in Essex, batting four. Apparently, that's, that was part of the deal, or I'm not playing. I'm in their setting wicket down. So, wish me well, folks. I do wish you well, Phil. And, and Saj, you'll be, you'll, be,
2: you'll be back at uh, Trent Bridge again on Monday for, for England Packers I am, time. yes, and hopefully it'll be a better performance. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Saj. And uh, listeners, do check out Pack Passion. It's one of the best websites out there. It has been for a long time now, so get your eyeballs on that. Um, and yeah just thank you Phil as well thanks for coming on Um, and tune in tomorrow when I'll be joined by Sam Perry of the smash hit Aussie podcast The Grade Cricketer to look back on Australia's first match against Afghanistan as well as New Zealand's opener versus Sri Lanka this has been the Wisdom Cricket Daily podcast in partnership with Travel Bag creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979 and if you haven't already don't forget to subscribe cheers folks
1: Podcast Network.